stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my mom? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. episode 180 of the unholy mofos tonight taking on a few uh world war ii themed horror movies tonight just a little different we got a slasher with the prowler and we're also talking about some uh supernatural nazi zombies with blood creek is it really nazi zombies or is it Occultism and... Uh, I mean, there are zombies in it. <laughs> if that's what you want to call them. Hey, they came back from the dead, man. They're zombies. Well, okay. You <laughs> call Dracula a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess we'll discuss that later on. <laughs> so, yeah, I am Jake the Snake, as joined by always by Brother Scott. It's me, and Skype's being a bitch today. Yeah. So. When is it never? <laughs> if the episode sounds like shit, you know who to blame. Exactly. <laughs> blame us. Well, before we get into those two movies, let's get to our usual shit. So, <laughs> I've got a fucking doozy for you today for our fucked up sex act. Is, this thing is a... Uh, has four definitions of it. Four ways for you to be grossed out. So this thing is called the cold lunch. Definition number one. The simple sexual act of forcing yourself to throw up into another person's mouth. Usually in the result of the other person eating it. So basically turn on any infection type movie. I guess so. <laughs> People are throwing up in each other's mouths all the time in those movies. <laughs> Definition number two. When a man pisses and freezes his piss into the shape of a dick, he then has the woman suck both his dick and the frozen piss popsicle at the same time until she eventually winds up with a mouth full of piss, flesh, and cum. Gross. Definition number three. To be deep-throated so hard, you regurgitate on your partner's penis and continue sucking. Ugh. I can't <laughs> imagine that's good for you or your partner. <laughs> and definition number four, the act of vomiting onto, someone sh- bah, onto some chick's head while she's performing fellatio. 
Yeah, that's the third one. I can just imagine the acidity from the stomach just burning your dick. Right. <laughs> that's like the only thing I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the fucked up thing is, you know somebody's at least tried one of these. Oh, of course. I mean, that's how it, it's come to be. Oh, hey, I've totally done this. <laughs> yeah. That oh, train's my. back. Don't mind me. I'm just a fucking freak. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, all right. Yeah, listeners, I'll pause while they get done throwing up into the toilet. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Ah! Yeah, well, we got quite a bit of things going on this week. Well, uh, there's some big news going on. I mean, you probably heard the big news about coronavirus going around. And, uh, you know, normally yeah, we're not... the overreaction from everybody about it, yeah. And we normally don't uh, talk about, like, real new stuff, but this is starting to affect the movies a bit. It's also starting to affect video games. Fucking the new consoles are going to get delayed. Yeah. It's bullshit! Like, FXSW was just canceled, and, uh... People need to stop freaking out so much. Just wash your fucking hands and don't touch your face. Jesus Christ. If you have to cough, put on a mask or something. It's not hard not to transmit a fucking disease. Yeah, of course, uh, Chinese box office, you know, that's a big thing. That's always been quite a big thing. And, and well, since people in China are more worried about uh, recovering than seeing movies, well, that's uh, hurting some box office records. And, of course, uh, probably the biggest one is that a new James Bond movie, which was supposed to premiere next month has been moved all the way to november next november or this november this november you know that was almost thinking that was kind of interesting i was like well you know november has been the release date for james bond movies for quite a while so this is going almost going to be the first one to not open in november i don't know what the last james bond movie to not premiere in november was like they've been doing that as far as I've recalled, but like ever since the, at least the Pierce Bronston days. I don't know, I haven't seen a fucking Bond movie in theaters. Yeah, I, I always went to go see the uh, Pierce Bronston ones in theaters, but missed the Daniel Craig ones. I wish they would do like a, you know, a classic film thing like this November and just have like you know, the good Sean Connery Bond movies in theaters. It'd be really cool to go see. Yeah, that would be cool. It would also be cool is just to rent out a theater. It'd be about like 200 bucks and you can play whatever movie you want. <laughs> yeah, wish I did have that kind of money to throw around. <laughs> Maybe we should start a club. <laughs> just fucking have it become a new thing. Clubs going around and watching classic movies. <laughs> yeah, I'd be down. <laughs> Yeah, this next thing is, uh, uh, I can't believe it's even been brought up. I don't want to be bringing it up. I'll just bring it up just to say a big old fuck you to whoever these people are. Because apparently a bunch of WWE fans want CM Punk as Ash in an Evil Dead remake. 
No. It's because they watched the Nightmare on the 13th Floor, or whatever the fuck that movie's called, and, like, he basically played Ash, I guess. So everybody's thinking, oh my god, he's basically the character, let's cast him! I know what you're talking about, it's called The Girl on the Third Floor. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a, a little too similar for me to discern. Is this a Tyler's favorite movie we're talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> But, I don't know. I watched it. Honestly, I didn't get too much Ash vibes from that. I don't know what everybody's talking about. I, I don't care what actor at all. Like, you know, even throw names out there that I like, like Sean Hall Reynolds. No. No to even those guys being Ash. Ash Bruce Campbell. Yeah, just like Brad Dorff is Chucky. You don't do it. You don't change it. Once and, Brad you know, Dourif goes, don't ever make any more Chucky movies. You know, even the man himself, Bruce, has said, Ash is like the best table at a restaurant, reserved. So, yeah, there you have it. The man himself says no to anybody else playing Ash. At, I mean, we, if you wanted to cast him as another lead character in the remake, I could kind of see it. But, you, no, you're, you're not going to cast him as Ash. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, one thing. I mean, no matter no matter what you think about the Evil Dead remake that came out years ago, whether you like it like Garbage. I do or don't like it like Scott does, you got at least give him props for at least trying to incorporate different characters and not trying to like recreate Ash. One of my biggest problems with that movie is because they wanted to do a remake. Like, my biggest problem is that. They came out with Ash just a few years later. It's like, why couldn't you just make another fucking movie? And then you gave us this. Like, that's where my hatred comes from. Because I have to watch this piece of garbage while I wait for the real Ash. Man, you know, while we are talking about remakes, well, a big old trailer did drop. One for Candyman. Although, I'm thinking from what I'm hearing, this is supposed to be, like, more of a sequel than a remake. And it's just the problem I have with that is just the same thing I had with Halloween 2018. So if it's more of a sequel, why not give it a cool subtitle rather than just giving it the same name? I I don't know, but other than that, uh, I was quite impressed with this trailer. Did you get a chance to check it out? Yeah, but I've still never seen the original, so I okay. have to base it off of. Okay, yeah. Maybe that could change sometime in the future. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. Yeah, that's not uh, an obvious fucking, <laughs> you know, statement. <laughs> I mean, biggest thing about this movie is that it's being uh, produced by Jordan Peele, of course, but not directed by him. And the man who seems to only hire African American actors. From what I've seen. I mean, there's a good mix of Caucasian folks. I mean, I saw some Caucasian folks in this trailer. And, you know, I mean, the thing about Candyman is that, of course, you know, it's just based in urban setting. Like, the first movie took place in Caprini Green, which was, like, a major thing in the urban areas of Chicago. But, of course... uh, Big thing about this movie is that 
It seems to be following a character from the first movie, which I won't spoil it for you, but... Yeah, no, I, I heard cool. something about it. Okay. And another thing is, like, well, of course, people are wondering, so is Candyman himself recasted, or is Tony Todd coming back? Well, in this trailer, Tony we... Tony Todd has already confirmed to be coming back. Candyman, as we see in this one, is just mostly kept in the shadows, so... Yeah, I guess we'll see if uh, we got some new blood. And, of course, you know, we do hear the voice of the Candyman in the trailer, and it just seems a little different. I mean, I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Ash and Bruce. Like, Candyman just seems like a role Tony Todd was just born to play. I mean, just from a physicality standpoint, his voice, and just the way he carries a character... Even in the lesser sequels, he was the best part about it. I mean, yeah, I guess he is getting up there in age, but you know, maybe all the horror man. icons are getting old. Yeah, yeah, sad truth. <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing posts like you know people posting like uh, the hardest part about growing up is seeing your childhood icons growing old or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most of my heroes are now 40 to uh, 70 age range now. 40 to dead, basically. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, I guess speaking of bringing back some classic monsters, well, success of Invisible Man seems to be opening up another universal monster coming back, a Frankenstein being done yeah, by James Wan. I heard Blumhouse wanted to do it, didn't they? I don't see oh. anything of I don't I don't I mean, remember. I thought I heard somebody wanted to do it. I just can't remember. I mean it's I definitely it's James it's definitely James Wan who's attached. I don't see anything about of course it will be done by Universal. And what he's I, saying is I didn't hear anything about James Wan wanting to do it. Uh, that's that's he, new to me. He wants to do kind of like it more of a Shades of Disturbia. See that a group of teens discover a neighbor is building a monster in his basement. It's a, it's a different take, and well, we will talk about a different take on the Universal Monster in a bit and uh, what we've been watching section, but I'm glad to see they're taking it this direction because, you know, the whole Dark Universe thing, that's totally bomb, but the problem with that is they I just wanted to make them too much like action heroes. Dracula yeah. being turned into a action hero, a, a mummy, and I don't know if it was part of it, but there was that I Frankenstein account years ago, which also I got admit that was a huge guilty pleasure of mine. And the last thing I want to talk about is this thing's really exciting me. So HBO is going to be producing a TV adaptation of. The Last of Us. I'm so sick of fucking HBO. Like, I'm not gonna pay for your fucking subscription service. Get over it. Um, like, I'm so sick of HBO, stars, all that shit. Yeah, and you'll probably be... T- well, I want to actually subscribe to HBO for this. I I don't know, but the uh, factor of making this show does kind of intrigue me. I am... I think you remember me talking about the game a few years ago when I was playing it, and it was a pretty damn good game. 
And I think a TV show adaptation is a lot better than a movie adaptation because there is just so much to that story that can't be uh, contained in at least a two-hour runtime or maybe even a three-hour runtime. And you know, I don't know. The, I don't have a PlayStation, so I don't know anything about the game. And I guess with the success of The Witcher being made into a TV series rather than a movie, then, yeah, that's probably going to open a whole bunch of possibilities. Although, here in the end, they still talk about a Resident Evil TV series for Netflix, but I looked up on that recently, and I'm not so sure about it. It just sounds like they're trying to do something different, so no Chris or Leon. It's like, why? Why do you keep disrespecting these characters in your live-action adaptations? Why? Leon was in the live adaptation. He, so yeah, was Chris. They, so was Claire. I, it was all of those characters. But the problem is... They weren't main characters, but they were in Yes, there. yes, that's the big, big problem. Let's introduce a new character and make her like almost way too fucking powerful. It's like, what the fuck? And, oh, let's introduce the actual main characters, like, many movies later. I mean, I, I haven't seen the last few Resident Evil movies, but I guess Leon was introduced in the second-to-last one. Yeah, that's the last one I watched. Like, okay, you're gonna introduce the biggest character of the series in the, what, fifth movie? Something like that. Oh, I got an idea. Let's make a new Mario Brothers movie, except we're going to have a new character created by King Koopa, and we're not going to even introduce Luigi until the third movie, and Mario not until the fifth movie. Yeah, you, you see how ridiculous that fucking sounds? Why do that to fucking Resident Evil? Because Paul W.S. Anderson was terrible screenwriter? Uh, director? No, I think of all the people, why did he have to? I mean, why couldn't Romero been, didn't want to do that movie? I mean, I actually read Romero's script years ago, and I, I recently found it again, didn't read it, but I skimmed through it, and I'm like, yeah, this is the exact same script I remember. It, it was a little different, like, uh, Leon wasn't part of Stars. It was just like a uh, Native American guy who had a farm and found out that Jill was a member of Stars, which she kind of hid behind his back and didn't find out until, like, he crashed in on them, sneaking into the mansion. Again, different, but, you know, it's a fucking lot better than what we did get. Uh, Next week, Resident Evil. <laughs> uh, that was quite a rant right there. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Last of Us TV series come to HBO. <laughs> Not gonna watch it. It's like them trying to fucking put all this shit on HBO just to get people to subscribe. Like Stephen King's The Outsider. Yeah. Just, it, it doesn't intrigue me. I don't want to pay for your fucking subscription. I would go. I would rather go without watching it. Yeah, I pay hey. for enough shit as it is. Yeah, as a problem. I'm already paying for enough things as it is already too. But like mm, so much of these shows, I do want to watch. Of course, I know ways around it, but it's like mm, I want them to continue. 
if they're good. That's a that's a conundrum right there. Yeah, don't be one of the people who ultimately led to Ash disappearing from our screens. Right. That's the problem, though. Like, you want to have it on. You want to be able to show all that shit, but the hardest part is it's like nobody wants to pay. Like, I know people who aren't even happy paying for, like, Disney Plus. And that's fucking cheap. Right. It's a tough deal. Good lord. What are you watching? Uh, I decided to uh, start up uh, Hell's Kitchen again not that long ago. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. If, don't know if I told you that last time. Maybe I'm not a hundred percent sure. But uh, that's been on the TV when I'm home. YouTube has been a, a thing. Like I've been on YouTube a lot. You know, just watching old shit. Uh, a couple of days ago, I stumbled across something off of uh, Bloody Disgusting. They posted this uh, Freddy's Nightmare or something TV show that I'd never seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I checked that out. It was pretty interesting, learning the origin of all the stuff that happened, even though it may not, you know, be 100% correct. You know, it, it is what it is. Because <laughs> it sure uh, it sure feels a lot different, you know, like the... Him getting trapped in the boiler room, but yet yeah, basically in the in the show he basically wanted them to burn him. Like the, it was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely say uh, check it out. It's it's quite interesting. The uh, it doesn't look very good, but you know, it, you know, if you could get over that, then you know it's it's quite interesting. It was directed by Toby Hooper. Uh, yeah. If you can find it, I would say check it out. Uh, Family Guy's been on, and really that's about it. I really haven't had much time for anything else. <laughs> well, I was just trying to get to my Letterboxd account, and that's where I mostly been keeping track of what I've been watching, and there seems to be a fucking problem with it. Well, goddamn, so I'll have to go by memory. Uh, okay, so... Have, welcome I, to my world, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I finished up that hoarding TV show, finally. And, uh, well, let's just say, uh, there was one episode that really fucking disgusted me. And that, that's not to say that other episodes ain't fucking disgusting, but this one, uh, the guy's entire house was pretty much taken over by fucking roaches. Roaches everywhere. Like, ugh. <laughs> the guy's just living with them. Yeah. Just doesn't seem to care. Who hey. cares? It's just a nasty, disease-carrying bug. Uh, there's <laughs> one part of that episode that did kind of make me laugh. It was just the guy's delivery uh, of the way he said it. Oh, it was just like some eliminators coming in to inspect the house. And this one guy, he finds something like, oh my god, look at this, mayonnaise. And the other guy's like, whoa, that ain't mayonnaise. That ain't mayonnaise. Oh god, that's mayonnaise. I, I guess I never knew mayonnaise could turn black. That's all I'm gonna fucking say. Yeah, so now I'm done with that, trying to look for another TV show to binge watch. 
some reason, I've just been kind of getting into TV shows that will fucking disgust me. I don't know why. guess maybe trying to test my limits or something. What's your factor? Uh, like uh, earlier this week, I was at the girlfriend's place for flipping channels. We landed on TLC. They were showing the show called uh, My Feet Are Killing Me about some foot doctors that look up some really weird cases. And we were almost watching that for a bit, but after I cringed at something, girlfriend changed the channel. She's like, I am not going to be listening to you dry heave all night. <laughs> you should watch uh, Extreme Cheapskates. I was, I was watching some guy reacting to it online. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's just, you know, people who pay the, you know, next to nothing to survive. People who, like, use, like, one piece of toilet paper, like, a day or something like that. Or, like, they go to their, you know, their neighbors and ask them if they have leftovers so they don't have to pay for food. I watched this late 80s slasher movie called Offerings. This movie is a very, very blatant ripoff of Halloween. Even the fucking music. I, I am not kidding you. I'll have to, like... See if I could find something or at least record the music and send it to you sometime because the music is just way too fucking similar to one in Halloween. I'm surprised Carpenter did not sue. I mean, Maybe he didn't even know it existed. Well, yeah, that could be that true. <laughs> I out of a slasher movie, it's kind of lame. Kills aren't very good, but there's a lot of just, you know, so bad it's good type stuff in this movie. I'm like... Oh my fucking god, <laughs> you can't believe it. Actually, we're trying to take this movie so seriously. Like, the killer, of course, in a psychiatric hospital. You know, just like Michael Myers, of course. And, of course, the main doctor guy's telling this new nurse, is like, uh, you don't have to worry about him, you have to worry about this other guy. Every time he's taking a dump, he thinks he's having an abortion. And, of course, we hear that patient screaming later, it's like, Doctor, he's having twins! <laughs> Okay. I decided to go back to that uh, Into the Dark stuff in, on Hulu. Uh, if you don't remember what that is, they do like a movie-length episode every month to like kind of like tie in with like a major holiday of that month, basically. Like this month will obviously probably be a St. Patrick's Day episode. I don't know what they're doing with that just yet, but... You know, I was watching it last year and then got behind on it, so I decided to check it out again. Uh, there's one episode that tied into Mother's Day. It uh, was about a mother who has a son who killed some girl. And, well, she worked for this, like, futuristic company, so she keeps cloning this girl. And just to see if, like, she can, like, condition him to, like, not kill her or something like that. Like, well, uh, one thing I can say about it is, is that girl looks pretty good in tight leather pants. This and sounds kind of like, like a Masters of Horror type thing. I mean, yeah, it's an anthology series. And, uh, so, second one I watched, I was actually kind of excited for this one. Because this involved black-eyed kids. And, man, if we ever bring a, back the conspiracy segment, I'm going to have to talk about black-eyed kids because it's it's an interesting thing 
whether or not you want to believe it. But uh, this one ended up being pretty freaking lame. And I think the whole thing about the Black Eyed Kids is that if you were to make like a movie or anthology show about it, it'd probably be better just like be more psychological. And I was like more the kids being like screeching creatures and all that. And the whole basic premise of this is that it's a guy with his two daughters. The wife just died a few months ago of cancer. They're going to this like a uh, place in the middle of the desert where they used to camp just to like, uh, you know, bury her memory, something like that. <sighs> How they defeat the monsters. It's oh, so fucking lame. What they end up doing is how they were going to bury their mom's memory is just pour out a bottle of wine. And that's how they defeat the creatures. They pour out this bottle of wine. I, I ain't fucking kidding ya. And you see why I feel like I can make it into that business so easily. <laughs> you got stupid shit like this getting made. And the third one I watched, this one was much better. It wasn't great, but it was called School Spirit, a slasher one, which uh, took place in a Saturday detention, so kind of like Breakfast Club. The whole thing about this is that, you know, there's a rumor about this school that a teacher was killed uh, dressed up as the school mascot, which is like a uh, patriot-type deal. And so her ghost haunts the school and kills naughty students. And, uh, yeah, the slasher just was all right. The problem was it, is that majority of the kills were off-screen and all, which I don't understand. It's like, you're on fucking Hulu. You could get away with so much. Why are you holding back? But... There were some pretty good kills, like kid got decapitated by like those uh big old paper cutter things. Yeah, I guess I'll continue it uh, sometime. Like I said, with I've always said this with anthology shows, like the problem is that you're gonna get some good ones and you're gonna get some bad ones. It's just the way it is. I guess the only other thing I could think of right about now is that I did go see The Invisible Man and holy shit. This was really fucking good. This one was, like, very, very tense. It proves you can make the Universal monster scary again. Especially the Invisible Man, because it's just like, okay, is he there or is he not? And when is he going to make his presence known? Yeah, this one definitely dealt with, like, a lot more tense moments rather than jump scares, which I really loved about it. So... Like, the the dude isn't dead, right? No. Because from the trailer, the first trailer I watched, that's basically what I assumed, and he was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I. That, that's I, what I took from the first trailer when I watched it. Yeah. I, my mom, uh, I thought it was my mom, and she said that uh, the problem which she had with the movie is that they just kind of leapt to the conclusion that he made himself invisible rather than the fact that he's a ghost. And, like, I can kind of see that. Uh, you just hear about somebody being dead and then suddenly, oh, shit, things are floating by themselves. Hey, that's obviously got to be a ghost, right? Uh, but uh, that didn't take me too much out of the movie. And let's just say there's one death scene in that movie that will definitely catch you 
off guard. It definitely did with me and the audience of the movie I saw it with. A lot of gasp with that one. Uh, Speaking of the audience I saw with, well, it's not the worst one, but uh, somebody brought a fucking baby. (laughs) Why the fuck would... uh, I hate when people do that. Yeah, once I heard... Especially, like, little kids. You bring a little kid to it, like, uh, you know, like, I I think, uh, I think the last Jurassic Park I went to go see, there was a bunch of kids there. And they were fucking, like, just... It was a very bad experience watching that movie. Yeah, I would bet. The most questionable one I ever saw was bringing the baby to a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Uh, yeah. dumb. Yeah, okay, let's bring a baby to a movie about a guy carrying around a big old noisy machine and people screaming because of it. Yeah, the baby's totally going to be the... Calm during that one. I guess it wasn't. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, I I don't remember too much about that. But, yeah, either way, still kind of stupid. But, yeah, Invisible Man, I would definitely recommend going to see that one. I'll still wait for it to come out. Yeah. I don't know. I think the only movie I have interest in seeing right now might be that uh, The Hunt that's coming out. Yeah, I... The one that was, like, canceled because of all the shootings. And uh, I do see a Scott Dennis in it. (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, Emma Roberts is in it, too. I think so. Yeah, um, I might go see that one, I think. Yeah, it depends on what else is going on that weekend. But, oh, actually, next weekend, now that I think about it. Oh, shit. Friday the 13th. Fuck, this year's already going by a little too fucking quick. (laughs) Yep. Well, okay. I think it's uh, time we get into our movies and chronologically, I am first. So, let's take a break. What a song. I will be back to talk about the Prowler. Yeah. 
It was 1945, the night of the graduation dance. The war overseas had just ended. The terror at home Boy. was about to begin. Roy? Come on, kid, don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? Well, that was different. I couldn't help myself. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Tonight, the terror begins again. They never found out who did it. It had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Oh, God, I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. Whenever the time was right, he'd come back. Oh. The Prowler. If he wants you. He'll get you. your breath it starts all over again you may think you're safe but you're dead wrong the prowler coming soon and we are back with the prowler came out october 9th 1981 it's a 6.1 rating on the IMDb. Director is uh, none other than Joseph Cito. If that name doesn't sound familiar, well, he's been uh, featured on the show quite a bit in the past. Director of Friday the 13th, the final chapter, 
and directed Chuck North in Missing in Action. Yeah, that's uh, that's surprising. I don't remember the name. Yeah, and uh, well, you can probably see why he was chosen to direct the Friday the 13th after this movie. We will get into that. From what I understand, there's like not a lot of big names in this cast. Like probably the biggest name is Lawrence Tierney. I mean, probably not familiar to you, Scott, but I'm imagine to like some older people, he probably would be a lot more well known. Like uh, his uh, first thing he's known for that shows up in the known for section at IMDb is Reservoir Dogs. I still haven't seen that one. No, it's an Armageddon as well. Um, Gramp Stamper, I don't remember who that was. Yeah, for is Armageddon that one with fucking Bruce Willis and Ben Crapflack? Yep, that's it. Yeah, from what I see, like most of these people didn't do too much. In fact, if you look at the IMDb, the photos they have for a bunch of these cast members are actually stills from this movie. Although the one guy, the very nerdy guy, I did recognize him. He was in John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. The one that got stabbed by Alice Cooper with the bike. There's a major, major saying I just found out yesterday. Just looking through the cast list. I saw this name. I'm like, are, are you fucking serious? You know who Ralph Garman is, right, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. Works with Seth MacFarlane and Kevin Smith's co-hosts on Hollywood Babylon. He is listed, well, as an uncredited party extra in the 1945 scenes and I'm, I saw them like I, I'm going to have to fucking research this and when I typed Ralph Garman the Prowler into Google first thing that come up was a tweet by him somebody had a picture from that particular scene it's like is this you Ralph and I'm like yep that's me so yeah Ralph fucking Garman is in this movie people nothing no what do you want me to say I mean, I don't really know too much about him other than, like, I don't even recognize his voice. I've never really listened to Kevin Smith's podcasts, and I don't yeah. I don't know who he voices on Family Guy, so. Yeah. Okay. I just, I know he's in there because I see his name on, on the credits roll. Oh, oh, I thought it was pretty cool. Well, okay, this movie, we begin with some footage of soldiers returning from from World War II, and narration just talked about how happy these soldiers are to be home now. And then that is followed up with a Dear John letter being read by a woman saying to her little beau who was over there that she just can't wait anymore. So she's leaving him. Well, shit. Returning from all that shit just for that. What a bummer. And, uh, now we cut to the dance. There's a graduation dance going on, and, you know, a bunch of these soldiers are accompanying their dates to there. And, uh, well, the woman, who uh, goes by the name of Roseberry, is there with her new boyfriend, Roy. And after a while, they decide they're going to go off by themselves for a little, uh, lovey-dovey. Driving off to a gazebo. And, well, right in the middle of this, like, the lights go out. And they're kind of freaked out at first, but they're like, yeah, what the fuck, I'd keep making out. And right around this time, somebody comes up right behind him with a pitchfork and just double impales him with it. I mean, 
God damn, what a good kill. <laughs> and that's just the 13th part two, anybody? Right? I think this came out the same year as uh, Friday the 13th part two, now that I think about it. Or shall we even say Bay of Blood? <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> and, uh, well, just before the killer leaves, he leaves behind a little rose. Now we cut to 35 years later. Town's preparing for a graduation dance because this is the first time in the 35 years they're throwing it because apparently the father of Rosemary was, like, not too keen about them doing another one of these dances. But now it's back, and we want to talk about some similar-themed movies. Does this not give you a major My Bloody Valentine vibe right here? Yeah, I can see. Of course, again, being released the same year, of course. Too many connections. (laughs) Well, we get to meet our main character, Pam. Good old butchin. Pam! Bam, bam. <laughs> you, you were at least remember the All My Heroes episode about this? No, I haven't listened to an All My Heroes show in probably three years. I've listened well, to parts of them, but I've never listened to a full show in forever. Yeah, I, I just remember how Tyler seemed to like this chick and just kept referring to her butt chin. <laughs> <laughs> that I do remember. <laughs> I mean, Miss Vicky Dawson chick, yeah, she ain't too bad looking. She's pretty cute. Well, we get to meet a few more characters, such as uh, the the one cop she seems to be really close with, Mark, and the sheriff. And, well, sheriff tells them that, uh, right in the middle of them talking about how this is the first dance in 35 years, that there's been some guy who robbed a uh, store in a nearby town. Not only that, but cut up a kid and took his car. Little red herring there. And not only that, but the sheriff, he's going out for a little bit of a fishing trip and leaving Mark behind to take care of everything. And, yeah, he stops by this convenience store owned by this guy named Pat. And, well, one of his employees called Otto. And, uh, <laughs> I should have mentioned, well, the fact that, uh, you know, we saw somebody being killed 35 years ago. That almost kind of cuts the suspect list down quite a bit. <laughs> I would say. I would think so. You'd have to be a lot older. Right. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You, If you listen really closely, of course, in the opening party scene, you'll hear a bunch of these older guys' names. It's like, so which one could it be? Well, now the we see a bunch of these girls, and they're starting to get ready for the dance. While we see these girls getting ready for a dance, we see the Prowler himself getting ready, and... Guess I love the choice of costume, just some World War II gear, including, like, a bit of a, a mask to cover up his face. That was a weird, interesting mask. Right? It's just, it's a weird choice, I think. Like, how do, how do you see out of that thing? I mean, kind of would wonder that with most masks, of course, I think. I mean, I don't know about the ghost face mask. I mean, like, how would you see too well out of that thing? Well, that, I mean, you know, the eye holes are just that, eye holes. I mean, there's, that whole thing is there. I mean, with the Michael Myers masks, those are those are some pretty big eye holes. Right. Uh, Jason's mask, I mean, that's, that might be one of the exceptions. That thing might be getting in the way. Of course, the one thing I wonder about masks, of course, is peripheral vision. 
<laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> but, you know, all that uh, stuff aside, I think it's still a pretty damn good look for the killer. Well, you see a bunch of these girls and, well, their dormitory seems to be pretty close by to the Major Shadow guy who's like now an old grumpy old man in a wheelchair who just uh, keeps looking out his window every night. A window that conveniently faces this girl's dormitory, of course. And uh, one of these girls, Lisa, she decides to uh, have a little fun and flashes him. Although, eh, we don't see anything unfortunately but we see a little bit of something a little bit here because while the girls are going off well one of the girls sherry she decides she's gonna stay behind in the shower and ooh, thank you movie for this and well we get somebody like coming up and she's like uh-oh are we coming on to our first kill right now nah it's her boyfriend who just shocks her in the shower not that kind of shock <laughs> I want to say, <laughs> the shocker, tuna. <laughs> yeah, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we get it, Jake. <laughs> and she decides she's going to invite him in, and he goes back into the bedroom to do a little bit of undressing. But while he's just doing that, here comes the prowler right up behind him, hand right over his mouth to keep him from screaming, and jams his knife right through his fucking head, and... Good lord, this kill right here. It's just so fucking awesome. Because not only, like, all the blood and just how realistic the knife going through the head is, but the whole thing about his eyes rolling to the back of his head, it's like we see nothing but the whites. Hmm, so fucking cool. Oh, and, uh... I actually have a problem with it, just because you get stabbed in the head. You're gonna die a lot sooner than that. Maybe. He was there for a good long while. Like he was suffering. I guess I forget to mention the man who did all these effects is none other, none other than Tom Savini himself. And guy would go on to say that this was probably his best work ever. I mean, the guy's done quite a few movies, such as the first Friday the Thirteenth, one and final chapter. Dawn and Day of the Dead. Yeah, so the man's got quite a prolific career. Well, next, the Prowler goes into the bathroom, and he brings the pitchfork and just opens up the shower and stabs Sherry with it, lifts her up, and keeps driving that thing in. And it's just so fucking realistic looking. In fact, when I went back to the All My Heroes episode about this little trivia fact is that Joseph Zito went to a screening for this movie somewhere and a security guard asked him during this particular scene right here you really killed that girl didn't you? Uh no she's okay here she is right here yay (laughs) (laughs) we're now at the party and you know Pam she's helping with the punch and all that shit and well Mark comes in and before you can get over to her, well, Lisa just pulls him in for a little bit of a dance. And uh, I guess we saw earlier that Mark is quite a little bit of a flurry guy himself. And, you know, he easily could say no to Lisa. I'm like, oh, I got to get to my girlfriend. But no, he keeps going with that. And we can see Pam's really not impressed with that. He does come back to her and well, Lisa... <laughs> 
comes up with them, and she ends up, like, bumping into Mark, who spills punch all over Pam and her dress. Back to the dorm she goes, and, well, uh, she doesn't seem to question the fact that the shower is still going. And, uh, as <laughs> we can actually see, the killer is still in there. Which, uh, seems kind of weird, but apparently they, like, uh, it was just how they filmed it, like, they decided in the middle of filming this where, like, gonna have uh, Pam come back. Otherwise, it just seems like the killer's just been kind of standing there for, like, at least 20 minutes before he places the rose down. Well, yeah, Pam... Yeah, that doesn't seem like it would really work. Yeah, she Pam, stand here for 20 fucking minutes doing nothing. Pam changes, unfortunately, we don't see anything. I mean, I guess she is the final girl, so we probably aren't supposed to see much from her. But, uh, Have we ever seen anything from any final girls? And uh, I'm trying to think of some examples. I can't really think of any. Yeah. Damn, most, two goody two shoes girls. <laughs> the most I can think of is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in a bra in prom night and, and Nev Campbell in a bra in scream. That's as close as I can think of. <laughs> We need uh, our we need Ballsack to do some research for us. Yeah, right. Ballsack, please get on this and let us know. Oh, well, when she's going down the stairs, she hears something. She looks up and there's a fucking prowler right there. And naturally, she gets pretty freaked out. So she tries to run away. Like get pretty good tense scene of her trying to get out of the door, which seems to be locked. And and uh, well, she unlocks it just in time to run out. And well, she runs out to. Major Shatham, who's outside, seems to grab her, and, well, she escaped, but uh, ends up taking, like, a bit of her jacket, I think. That's what it is. And, uh, well, she runs into Mark, who she tells is she's being chased. So he takes a search around doesn't seem to find anything. Not even Shatham. Besides his wheelchair, Mark's. Well, before they check Shatham's house, Mark goes to check the dorm, and, well... (laughs) He doesn't get too far, doesn't get too far enough to find a, two dead bodies in the bathroom. But after this, they head to Shadam's house. You know, it's dark and old man is nowhere to be found. You know, what's kind of weird is, I, now that I think about it, you know, a little bit of spoiler for a 40-year-old movie, but that is probably the last we ever saw of a wheelchair-bound guy in this movie when he grabbed Pam. And, uh, well, as we can see, as they're going around searching. The Prowler seems to be in there. Oh, good little tense moments. Like, is he going to get them or is he not? But while searching around, Pam just finds an old scrapbook and looks around. And, well, you know, he discovers the whole thing about his daughter. And the thing is, well, I called her Rosemary. But the thing is, that was her middle name. And not a whole lot of people called her by her middle name. So, like, hmm, who would... And, yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot of people who get called by their middle names. <laughs> well, I have a friend who does actually go by his middle name. It, it was kind of weird, like, you know, hanging out with him. I, we ran into somebody he did know who did actually call him by his real first name. And Who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is kind of weird, like, especially when you figure, like, oh, you look more like this name than this name and all. And uh, a little thing I noticed, I've heard about is that Joseph Zito, he was not impressed by the look of this scrapbook. He he's like, oh, I, I hated how it looked. 
And I don't think it looked too bad. I mean, looked like a regular old scrapbook, if you ask me. Maybe he was trying to go for something different. Yeah, but, you know, considering, you know, how realistic the kills in this movie look, I think a lot of people's last concern is going to be about the scrapbook. Well, as a director, you got to think about all that stuff. I guess, but we're now back at the dance and well, Lisa's boyfriend, Paul, he is like extremely fucking drunk right now and throwing up in the restroom. And she gets pissed off and just walks outside saying she's going to be at the pool. All right, around this time, Pam and Mark come and they tell the teacher there, the older lady, uh, Miss Allison, about everything going on. So she interrupts the band to tell everybody there's a prowler on the loose. Roll credits. Ding! <laughs> I had to throw it in there. Well, it, she didn't say the prowler, so... That's close enough. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned, like, this movie goes by another title. The other title for this movie is Rosemary's Killer, which I think is it's kind of a cool title, but I can see why they didn't go with that, because I think a lot of people would probably mistake this for potentially a Rosemary's Baby sequel or something like that, so... Yeah, I mean, we don't need one of those. <laughs> right. I mean, The Prowler, it's, it's kind of cool, I mean... Just sounds so sinister. Prowler. And of course, she tells everybody that she should stay put, not go out until the prowler has been apprehended. And of course, as we know, that's way too late for Lisa, because now she's out at a pool swimming around. And when she's trying to come out, there's a prowler right there who just kicks her right in the fucking face. <laughs> And Didn't even see it coming. <laughs> nope. Yeah, well, she's a little disoriented for a bit, but uh, she comes to, and when she tries getting out, Prowler's right there behind her in the pool. Just grabs her and then cuts her fucking neck with his bayonet, and oh my fucking god, this was really fucking brutal kill right here. Very much, I think if he kept on going, he would have cut her head clean off. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't actually kill her. Well, I mean, he did kill her. And I'm saying in real life. Oh, okay. Yeah, really fucking cool kill right there. And, well, inside, well, the boyfriend, Paul, he's, like, trying to tell everybody that his girlfriend's outside and he needs to get to her, but uh, he's a drunk fuck right now and making too much of a thing that Mark decides he's going to arrest him. So they take him to jail, throw him in there, and well, around this time, Mr. Kingsley comes around, the guy who owns the store, and you know, he's talking about how they never should have done this dance because there are some kids in the graveyard right now. It's like, ah, I know what they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, they're Mark, dancing around while fucking, what's her name, Lynchay dances around naked on a, on a tombstone. <laughs> yeah, that's <was> cool too. <laughs> well, they head to that cemetery, and you know, Mark he decides to leave Pam in the car while he inspects, and he discovers a dug-up grave. Though he's trying to inspect, is almost opening up the grave, but Pam back at the car sees that weird guy from the store earlier, Otto, who just comes by, and 
Elvis is taking his head in the car, freaking her the fuck out. He goes over to, to her, and of course Otto runs away before he can get there. Uh, I go back to the grave and open it up. Uh, there's no, uh, there's a body in there, but not who the original person should have been because it's fucking Lisa. While Pan is crying, Mark looks over at the gravestone. He seems to be recognizing who it could be. It seems to be Rosemary's gravestone. And uh, this was another little prop Zito wasn't too uh, impressed with. And I guess I can kind of see, but again, it doesn't detract from the movie for me. Also forgot to mention that Miss Allison, well, she was informed that Lisa went out earlier, so she went out to search for her. Oh, well, searching, she sees uh, blood in the pool, and that's a shit ton of blood. So she freaks out, tries to run away, but she gets grabbed by the prowler, and he just jams his bayonet right through her fucking neck. Mmm, another uh, really good kill. Uh, We're back at the sheriff's station, and... Mark is saying he needs to call the sheriff right now. So he calls the lodge where he's staying at, and we get, well, what's actually pretty much the funniest scene in this movie. You know, the desk clerk, he's answering in. You can see he's a little bit of an overweight guy. He seems to be lazy. Just in there playing some solitaire. Please, go get the sheriff for me. He's like, all right, I'll get him. Right here's a guy. He's pretending to go get the sheriff. He's drops the phone and tries to make some noises to make it seem like he's going outside. But he just sits there playing solitaire. <laughs> it's so funny because it actually goes on like, you know, <laughs> we can see Mark just standing there getting so impatient. And well, the guy pretends to be coming back inside. And he's like, oh, sheriff's not there. If you write me a message, write him a message for me. Like, okay. And yeah, he's a, uh, Pretending to be writing shit down, but nope, he really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Definition of one lazy motherfucker. <laughs> right? Uh, that's a guy who really loves the job, I guess. <laughs> Mark's trying to drop Pam back off at the dance, but you know she refuses. She wants to go back to Chatham's house with him. After a little bit of arguing, he decides to take her with Back they go. So, a little bit more inspecting, and uh, power even goes out. And Mark is knocked out by the Prowler. And we can see the, you know, the Prowler's, like, dragging him off, and then looks like he's about to jam his pitchfork right into him. But uh, a power seems to kick back on. I think that's probably the only reason he didn't. Because you can see a little later Mark's still quite alive. I was probably, like, thrown off by that, and... Well, Pam, she's right by the fireplace, and she knows there's a necklace dangling from inside of there. So she inspects this, and she pulls down on it. And to her horror, Rosemary Skeletons just falls down from the chimney. That is a shocker. (laughs) And, you know, she tries to run away, but she comes face-to-face with the Prowler right there holding a rose. And can't really understand what he's saying. Something, something for our date, Rosemary. That's all I got out of it. Oh, we get a little of a cat and mouse chasing here. Prowler chasing her with his pitchfork. Oh, she hides in the room right under a bed. Well, Prowler's in there just 
knocking shit over with his pitchfork, trying to find her. And, oh boy, here comes another little Friday the 13th part two scene right here. You know, while she's hiding under this bed, a rat comes along. And, you know, she's trying so hard to keep her cool with this right next to her. Eh, but unlike Friday the 13th part two, she does not pee. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh my god, you pissed yourself. Or the rat pees. That's always an ongoing debate about that fucking scene. I mean, if it was the rat who peed, I'd like, that's a whole lot of fucking piss right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, she ends up running out of the room and, you know, she's uh, trying to lock herself in this room while the prowler is, like, using his pitchfork to uh, hold the door open, but... She ends up grabbing this and kind of breaking it in half. So she's got the pointy half of the pitchfork. Well, the prowler's coming right for her, but out from nowhere comes Otto, a weird guy from the convenience store who shoots the prowler. And it's a weird fucking scene right here because uh, now we get Pam and Otto just staring at each other almost lovingly. And even the music getting... It, it, it's I don't know. It's just like, oh, you saved my life. You were so getting your dick sucked tonight. <laughs> yeah, but of course the prowler really isn't dead. He grabs a shotgun and shoots Otto, and whoo, lot of blood splatter right there. Uh, while the prowler's trying to reload his shotgun, Pam ends up stabbing him with the pitchfork, and now we get a little bit of a struggle with them and the. Sh- Shot up shotgun, and well, right here, Prowler starting to like have trouble breathing, probably from the shots and the stabbing of the pitchfork and all that stuff. He decides he's gonna take off his mask right here. Now I know who it is. It's the sheriff. He's the killer. He's the one who was dating Rosemary and decided to kill everybody after all these years. And well. Well, a little bit more of the struggle with the shotgun. Until Pam, she gets the upper hand, points it right under his head, pulls the trigger, and BAM! Really good head explosion right there. And man, Savini loves his head explosions there. Or <laughs> severed heads. <laughs> yes, he does. Severed heads in Friday the 13th. The other really cool head explosion in Maniac. And now, it's the next morning. Pam and Mark are just returning to the dorm. Another cop comes up, so Mark's saying that he's going to have to talk to them while she goes back up to her room. Well, when she goes up there, of course, first thing she knows is that the shower is still running. Oh, boy. That's going to be quite the water bill. <laughs> yeah, the fucking thing was running all night. I can't, I can't imagine how cold that water's going to be, too. Oh, fuck, Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't winter time. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> also glad that he didn't decide to, like, uh, plug the drain up, too. <laughs> Get uh, wet bandits right here. Be a nice, uh, nice swimming pool in the room. <laughs> Since she's noticing the shower's still running, she decides to inspect this, and, of course, she sees Sherry and her boyfriend dead. Her boyfriend's hanging up there, and when she goes to inspect as well, the boyfriend just comes alive and actually grabs at her. So she's fucking screaming her head off. And when she backs up a bit and looks again, well, the guy, he's not moving, still dead. So 
I think she's clearly losing her mind right about here. And, uh, well, before we wrap this up, what's interesting is, like, I think this was on the uh, Camp Crystal Lake Memories documentary I saw years ago. It was something about an alternate ending for Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which involved Trish going back to the house and, well, finding her dead mother in the tub. And, you know, <laughs> of course, the mom comes back to life with, of course, so very white eyes grabbing at her. But, of course, it turns out that was just an hallucination. So I guess uh, Zito wanted to recreate the Prowler ending. And of course, it just was way too fucking similar. All right, Scott, your first viewing of this movie. What did you think? Um, you know, as I've said before with a lot of these recent you know first time viewing so it's it's hard to rate a movie the first time you watch it you know it's uh the you know the kills were really good uh story didn't make a whole lot of sense other than you know the guy wants to you know, kill everybody because his girlfriend broke up with him that's that's what i took from it yeah pretty much the only thing i i think you know is is you know the major thing you want to watch this for is the boobies and the kills <laughs> and other than that <laughs> don't expect much <laughs> so, uh I, I give it a pretty good i guess i think pretty damn good is what i'll give it to he said I've been saying the kills in this are just so fun and fucking tactic easily one of savini's best work i mean if you have somebody coming up to you at screaming the movies asking you if you actually killed somebody and that's got to say something right there i will agree the story seems a little bit muddled like you know i just noticed in this particular viewing of the movie while taking note for it that a lot of these guys who could be the main suspects don't really show up for the majority of the movie like you know we see that store owner guy for like probably two scenes that weird auto guy coming up every once in a while like I swear, the first few times I saw this movie, I'm like, who the fuck is that guy again? We only see the sheriff once before he goes off for his fishing trip. <laughs> and, you know, if it wasn't for Pam saying, oh my god, sheriff, we probably wouldn't recognize who he was. And, you know, something else I was thinking about here, you know, you're talking about how guys killing people because his girlfriend left him. Something I kind of thinking I could have covered on this movie if this movie ever gets remade, I think an interesting angle would be like, well, you know, the guy's a war veteran, so obviously it got to be a little bit of PTSD right there, which would, you know, probably explain about why he's coming, just snapping and killing everybody. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Of course, they don't really cover that too much. They just kind of focus on the kills and just these main two characters just looking for clues and all but that either way i still enjoy the movie uh, i think i want to say it was, it was on time after time they covered this and they included this in the big three of the slasher movies well the big three that weren't the obvious big three of jason michael and freddie yeah the second big three with this my bloody valentine and the burning uh, I say out of those three, I would still say My Bloody Valentine has to be 
my favorite but this would be a pretty close second one for me. One I could always watch and just to see all of those cool fucking kills. And uh, right. yeah, guess that's all I have to say about that. I guess it's time we uh, we head back in time to see what Hitler's men were doing. So we'll play a song and we'll be back.
30s, Adolf Hitler and his inner circle became obsessed with the occult. Nazi agents traveled the globe in search of ancient Nordic relics known as rune stones. The symbols inscribed in these stones were said to describe the path to immortality. In 1936, a stranger came to Town Creek. We were told you were a historian. On a quest for an ancient stone. They were here. Our ancestors. The Nordic gods. That possessed the power of life. Bring that here to me. And death. When you rule the blood, death is no longer the end. There. I was 12 when he came to our farm. He needed blood for the ritual, so he froze us in time like this. He can't come into the house! It's a painting on the doors and the windows. Keep him out! We had him contained until you came here. We're all going to pay for this now. Just tell me how to kill him. Once his third eye is released, he'll cross over. Nothing will be able to contain him, not even the wounds. And we're back. I don't know what song you just listened to, but I'm sure it was groovy. We're doing Blood Creek. Came out 2009, uh, according to this, October 9th, 2009 in the UK. <laughs> when I saw that, before I saw the UK, I was like, oh, same day Prowler came out. <laughs> well, it, still, it still came out in the UK at the same day. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> uh, 5.3 on IMDb. And the uh, director of this is Joel Schumacher, the guy behind Lost Boys, uh, Scott's favorite movie, Flatliners. And, of course, well, we gotta mention it. He's the one who gave Batman nipples. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that That's Joel this guy? Schumacher. Yep. <laughs> That's, uh, That's surprising. You know, I just, How much studio interference do you think that was, though? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, it was like, you know, this movie has some dark themes to it. Lost Boys, Flatliners had some dark themes, and a few other movies I can think of, like number 23, pretty dark. And you look at Batman and Robin, and I'm like, wow, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, they should have stopped making those movies. Well, I mean, they did after that. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, they, they never should have made him. George Clooney should never have been Batman. Yeah. Well, speaking of superheroes, of course, in this cast, well, we've got Superman himself, Henry Cavill, and then we get Dominique Purcell, who's a heat seeker. I think that's his name on the DC shows. And, of course, he was also Dracula in the third Blade movie. And we got Magneto himself, Michael Fassbender. And, well, just a little bit one more thing. Uh, Lynn Collins, who plays uh, Purcell's wife in this movie, she was uh, Wolverine's girlfriend in X-Men Origins. So, yeah, a bunch of superheroes in this movie. And a superhero director. Nothing like shoving them all together for a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Even if none of them were in 
half of the shit at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I don't have notes, so Jake and I are pretty much just gonna try and do this thing together as the best of our ability. <laughs> so uh, let's say we've got a family on a farm. Uh, the Wolners, I believe their last name is. Yeah, looks about right. Uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, they're just a normal, you know, family, and you know, they they don't want to bother anybody else. They, they like their little slice of the world. Well, the world has come to them. There is a letter from the Third Reich saying that they want to send somebody there because they found uh, a Nordic rune or relic or whatever. And, you know, they want to send somebody out to investigate it. And if they do, they will get paid like 150 bucks a month or something. Uh, How can you turn that down? Back in the uh, the 30s, that's that's a lot of fucking money. (laughs) Wish I knew the equivalents because I'm I'm sure it'd be a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh... You know, they kind of, you know, they, they're not, you know, the, the most adamant about doing it. They're, they kind of, what's the word? I'm, I'm looking for a word and I can't fucking get it. Mm, I'm blanking too, man. <laughs> <clears throat> hesitant, that's what it is. Yeah, that sounds about right. They're hesitant to do it, but, you know, they do. They they bring him in and, you know, Fastbender, he, he arrives on the farm he sits down and begins, you know, telling them, you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. I'm here to do a job, you know. All I need is, you know, accommodations, and that's about it. And then he tells them, you know, hey, this is, you know, what Hitler wants to do. You know, we go to, you know, a little bit later on, there's a little girl on the farm. They, they call her, like, three different names in the movie. I guess I... Didn't really notice it that much. <laughs> that much. It's like, uh, like Lise, Elise, Lisa, or something. Yeah. Well, she That's... goes by Lisa on uh, IODB, so. She, uh, she has a little bird, and it, uh, it, it kind of died. So, uh, Fastbender's character ends up walking up to her and the bird, and he ends up bringing it back to life. And. Thus begins the horror for the family. Well, I think I've done a pretty good job. We meet uh, Evan. He is, you know, just a normal guy. He's got a normal job. He's a paramedic. And he's trying to save a man who, like his girlfriend, just shot him in the fucking neck. Yeah, a bunch so, of meth heads. <laughs> so, <laughs> got some arterial spray. Um, yeah, he ends up going home, and his dad is there, you know, dad. I don't want to say he's crazy, yeah, it seems but like... he's not all there. Yeah, um, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Dementia, possibly? I I would have to think so. You know, he's, he's got, you know, the, all the machines hooked up to him, you know, like the, the air hose and, you know, IV, it looks like. So, you know, they're talking about the brother. The brother's been missing for two years, you know, you know 
dad's not happy that, you know, it, it should have been Evan. He was the one who should have, you know, been taken instead. So dad doesn't really like our, our, our main character, you know? Yeah. What a wonderful dynamic they have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Evan, he really misses his brother. And, you know, he, he, you know, he wishes he could take his place, you know, every single day. Uh, he ends up getting a call from his nephews, you know, asking them to take them trick-or-treating, because this is Halloween time. It's a Halloween time movie. Well, are we going to have to consider <laughs> the Halloween time watch now? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it just uh, it makes me wonder, spoiler alert, the lunar eclipse. Like, I wonder if that happened on Halloween night. Hmm. Oh. Who knows? It'd be a little, little more interesting dynamic to the movie. Mm-mm. And all the shit about runes is the cult of Thorn involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know. Yeah, Evan, you know, he gets like these flashbacks to uh, when his brother was taken and you know not being able to find him, and then, you know he's he feels guilt for you know his brother's disappearance, but. Uh, he wakes up, and the brother has his hand over his mouth, saying, "No, no, no! Don't, don't worry. I'm, it's just me. You know, come on, don't ask any questions. Pack all the gear up. Here we go. We're, uh, we're gonna go. And uh, of course, you know, brother, the Evan being the brother, or the loving brother, you know, he, he doesn't care. You know, his brother's back. You know, he's not gonna ask any questions. So yeah. he ends up." Uh, Packing everything up. You know, he's got guns, ammo, medicine. I don't think they packed up any food, though. I didn't see Yeah, it. yeah now you mention it, yeah. <laughs> well, That's, uh, interesting. Well, the, uh, the brother, he cleans up, he uh, shaves his beard, he cuts his hair, you know. He uh, makes himself go bald. He basically looks like a homeless man to basically the look he had when he was on prison break. Yeah. And interesting fact I learned, the brother on that show is also in this movie somewhere. Yeah, I saw that somewhere too, but like um did not spot him at all. Like oh I wanna look at the trivia, it says like unnamed German soldier. Not quite sure where that would have been in this movie. He was probably, you know, unpacking some of the uh, the stuff, you know, when they were bringing in the uh, Fassbender's, you know, gear. I think I he guess. might have been one of those guys. Yeah, probably. Well, the uh, the brothers, they end up, you know, heading out on a boat. They, you know, start paddling upstream towards Town Creek, which I believe is the original title for this movie, right? Yeah, that's what it says right here. I remember Xander Keane said something about that. Well, they uh, they end up, you know, parking the boat. They end up getting out and start heading towards, you know, this this place. It's uh, it looks really old. You know, it's an old farmhouse. You know, not not the kind of place you'd want to live in. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> it I looks mean, all boarded up and. <laughs> Well, they uh, they go inside. They go into the gate. It's got this really weird gate, like you know, it's got uh, you know, 
these posts, you know, holding it up. And it it kind of looks like, you know, something you would have, like, in a battle to, you know, keep the enemy out or keep something in. So they, uh, they go inside and the brother, Evan, is bitten by a freaking dog out of nowhere. And the... His brother's name is Victor, right? I want to say it's Victor. Yes, Victor. Victor ends up having to freaking grab the dog and just start stabbing it. And John Wick isn't too happy. He enters the picture and blows both <laughs> of them away. That's <laughs> uh, a good old John Wick moment in the show for a while. <laughs> I mean, this, this dog was an asshole. So, I mean, is it justified? You know, we... We can't be too sure, but uh, Mr. Wick, please don't kill us. So, uh, Victor and Evan, they uh, they make their way to the farmhouse, and uh, Victor goes inside. He starts looking around the corners, you know, trying to... He's aiming the, aiming his gun, you know, trying to find the, uh, the occupants, because he's looking for him. He's, he's only referred to him. Where is he? Where is he? So, uh... He ends up, you know, finding the brother and, you know, the uh, the old woman, you know. <laughs> As the, uh, the brother ends up running outside, Evan has to shoot him in the stomach. And uh, it's it's quite brutal, uh, to be honest. It's just, there's a giant fucking hole where his stomach used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's really surprising to see this because, you know... He's a paramedic, right? You know, his job is to save lives. But, you know, the loyalty that he has for his brother, he did it without thought. Yeah, I guess we'll start to talk about that in a little bit with another death scene later. So, it was just... It was pretty interesting. So, uh, Victor, he goes out and he starts looking around the, uh, the property. And he ends up finding this old trailer... Well, we end up seeing, like, this, uh, this old cellar, what would you call it, like, underneath a barn, like a wine cellar, or... Yeah, something, yeah, that sounds about right. Something like that. Well, there's someone down there, and they're breathing quite heavily, and it doesn't sound like normal breathing. Well, Victor ends up going to this old black shipping container, and he looks inside, and he's just... He's not happy with what he's seeing. Like, uh, like, it's bringing back old memories. So he ends up quickly shutting it. And, you know, we end up seeing that, uh... A lot of blood looks like, you know, a zombie fucking chowing down on somebody. You know, a quick little, little flashbacks. And, uh, you know, he ends up running back to the house. Evan, you know, he's, he's watching over the, this girl... And the uh, the old woman, Victor, uh, comes back inside. You know he's you know he he's adamant. He wants to find this guy. He wants to kill him. You know this guy was fucking feeding on him. One thing I forgot to mention is that uh, Evan sees Victor's back, and it is slashed to fucking hell. Oh yeah, <laughs> like he's got freaking knife wounds all over his back, and uh, it's <laughs> yeah. You can see why he's uh, so. Uh... Persistent on wanting to get to his family. Yeah, what an uh, awful way to to live a, live your life. Well, the uh, 
the old man, the father character on this farm, he uh, he's out. You know, he's doing his daily runs. He's going to, you know, like different, you know, stands and stuff, you know, trying to get food and goods, you know, in exchange for other things. And let's see, Evan, he ends up uh, going out to the container because, you know, he wants to know what's out there. You know, he, everybody keeps, you know, pointing to it and, you know, trying to, like, Stay away from there. You don't want to see what's in there. So he ends up going over there. And he ends up finding a guy inside. And it's actually somebody who's been missing. And uh, I guess he knows the the guy quite well. Yeah, we actually saw, like, his family putting up posters when they were on their way, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. That was one thing I, I missed. So, uh... They end up, you know, trying to get him out, you know, trying to cut him loose because he's, uh, he's tied up. He's got, like, freaking barbed wire, uh, like, little, you know, patches or whatever you want to call them. I don't know. Little, little things around his wrist that, uh, don't look too fun. They're, uh, the same things that his brother has on his wrist, which, uh, was one thing that, uh, he saw as they were going. Well, uh, the brothers, they, uh, they get into a fight because, you know, Evan, he's not too happy about all of this. He's, he doesn't know what's going on. He, like, he, how would you, how do you think you would react in this situation? Uh, yeah, I have to say, it's a pretty intense situation. I, I definitely wouldn't want to be a part of. Your brother comes out of nowhere after two years, tells you, hey. We're we're going somewhere. Don't ask any questions like that. That right off the bat, just, just uh, uh, I'm sorry. You may be my brother, but I'm not going anywhere unless you answer some fucking questions. If you have time for a fucking shower and to shave, you have time <laughs> to fucking answer some fucking questions for me. That's what I'd be like. Victor, he uh, he kind of realizes where. Uh, you know, the the guy is hidden, the one he's looking for, and he, he tries to break in, he tries to unlock, you know, the chains off of it, but he can't do it. And uh, the reason why, you know, he, well, there's one reason why he can't get in is because, you know, it's all locked down for a reason. And, you know, there's like these symbols on the underside of the door. Uh, Evan, he ends up walking into the barn, and he ends up seeing this really weird cluster of, like, bones. Almost like a, a plate of armor. I think that's what you could call it. Yeah, something like that. Something about right. Well, the uh, the father ends up, you know, coming home, and uh, Victor, he ends up shooting him inside his truck. And, well, the father ends up freaking crashing into this uh, trailer thing, and it ends up, you know, destroying... A couple pieces of the wood with the symbol on it and he ends up saying you don't know what you've just done you've released him well Evan ends up you know uh, bringing the guy out of the container and they all have to quickly get inside the house as this fucking Michael Fassbender now a freaking Nazi zombie as Jake wants to call him is free and yeah, he's got this weird ass looking like mask on. Like I want to say it's up. 
it's kind of like the collector's mask. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see that now that you mentioned it. Yeah. I don't know what kind of fabric that is, but it's really interesting. Well, the uh, I'm just going to call him the figure because, you know, it, it kind of suits him. You know, I don't, I don't, if you put a name to him, it just, it, it takes away from it. Well, like, there's, there's a bunch of horses running around, and he ends up fucking gashing one of the horses' fucking necks open with, like, uh, this little claw device that he has on his fingers, <laughs> taking, uh, hints of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> well, he ends up kneeling down, and he begins chanting and starting to, uh, he ends up bringing this fucking horse back to life. Like, I don't under- understand that scene at all. Like, he ends up killing this fucking horse. And then he brings it back. Yeah, I guess, uh, bringing it back to life is the only way to make it evil. Or the only way he can control it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's just, it was something that, uh, you know, kind of bothered me. You know, the first couple times I watched it, I was like, what? But uh, the horse ends up breaking down the fucking door of this house. So, you know, the the brothers, they just begin firing at this thing. (laughs) John Wick ends up coming back to the farm. (laughs) And, oh my god, I just gotta mention, good lord, CGI in this fucking scene. Terrible. Bad. Yeah, it's it. Like you can definitely tell that that horse is. There's nothing wrong with it because like <laughs> the fucking bullet holes like move, <laughs> and it's just and it's it's bad. And watching it, of course, on HD television. Oh, did not help matters whatsoever. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's right there. You you screwing it up. But yeah, so uh, there's like these uh, these symbols on the house, you know, on all the windows, on all the doors, and they are, you know, they're like a banishing rune. So that the figure he he can't come in, be, you know, if there's you know something on like a window or a door. Like I, I don't know, they mentioned why, but it was like really quick. So I, I can't really remember. I believe it's something like he believes he's part of an ascendant of a god or something. And he has yeah. to follow the rules of this god. I, I it's, it's really weird. It doesn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense. <clears throat> well, let's see. Pause, pause. Just try and... Fast forward a little bit here. Well, the uh, the brother character is, you know, brought back to life. And he ends up coming back inside. He's got, like, these white eyes. And he starts attacking everybody. But uh, Victor, he gets the upper hand. And he fucking takes a crowbar. And he starts beating the holy fucking shit out of him. And, like, we... This was actually pretty good effects compared to the, uh, that fucking horse. Because, <laughs> uh, this, we actually got, like, brain matter and, and a whole bunch of other stuff just flying up into the air with every swing. It was actually pretty cool. 
So they end up dragging that dead body away. Uh, I believe the father character is killed next. Yeah. Let's see. They, uh, the figure outside, he's not too happy. He starts, you know, breaking a bunch of shit. He ends up, uh, looks like destroying a generator. So the house, you know, is completely dark. Uh, the character, Lise, at least, she ends up, you know, telling, you know, the brothers, hey, this is who he is, and, you know, look, we, I was the first one he fed on, my brother was, you know, the one to take my place, and he needs blood to do the rituals, and, you know, sure, some people have died, but, you know, it's, it's better than having him loose, you know, among everybody. Which will which will come into play later, which is really interesting. Uh, well, as it Spock said, the needs of a few, uh, the needs of many outweigh the needs of a few, something like that. Um, sure. I said from one of the movies. I think yeah, from Wrath of Khan, as he sacrificed himself. Yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm still trying to make it through the fucking TV show. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so uh, basically they're they're told, you know, hey, he, you know, the bones that he has, you know, those are his family's bones. He had them, you know, shipped in from from Germany a long time ago, and you know, she's stolen all of his books, or well, not all of them. She's stolen, you know, a few books of his over time, and you know, she's she's learned quite a few things, which you know, help them to stay alive, and you know. That uh, I believe the one of the the things that was keeping him underground in that uh, that thing was the like a banishing symbol. And end up like he couldn't get out of the the cellar. But uh, as uh, the dude crashed into it, you know, of course, it was destroyed. So now he's free. Like I said, just uh, keep that in mind. Remind me if I forget. Uh, we should talk about a little bit later. Okay. Uh, basically, they're, uh, they're staying inside. They're trying to just, you know, watch him and see what he's doing. They, you know, they're, they're trying to make a plan. Everybody has to have a plan, because otherwise, what are we going to do? He, uh, he decides to, or the figure decides to go back down into his little pit, because that is where the rune is. And apparently the rune, you know, gives him strength. It gives him power. So, you know, he stands there, he starts doing, you know, his little chants, and, you know, he starts gaining power. The guy that they rescued from the shipping container ends up making his way outside as, you know, they burn a bunch of uh, the figure's books, which really pisses him off, you know. You know, you make books, you know, you can't go. So, uh... He ends up, you know, like, uh, I don't remember what he did. Did he use that little, like, thing on, a, on his uh, on his hand to gash open his side? I think so, yeah. I think that's what it was, but I, I had to look away. So he ends up, you know, you know, lifting the dude up, and he starts drinking his blood. And, you know, Elise ends up telling Evan, hey, shoot shoot your uh shoot the guy there because uh the figure can't feed on the dead so after you know a good few seconds of evan you know waiting he ends up doing it and he ends up killing yeah that's where he at least tells him 
Now you're just like us. That really doesn't make much sense. Now he's just like them. What is that? What is that supposed to mean? Well, I guess uh, because he was like supposed to be so hesitant on killing people just because you know he's a paramedic. I mean, he was really hesitant to kill this, shoot this guy. Well, he fucking shot the brother earlier. I guess. I, yeah, you're right. I don't know. So they uh, they try to get a plan. You know, they're gonna you know go grab the bones from the uh, the barn that Evan saw earlier, and uh, the figure ends up bringing the uh, the dude back to life. And uh, this guy's not really you know is like a a mind sucking zombie or whatever you wanna figure the other two were. He's uh he's literally he's talking and you know he doesn't seem very crazy. You know, Evan, you know, he's he's really thrown off. He doesn't understand what's going on. And, I mean, you look at him, you know, what would, what would you think in that situation? I mean, he looks a little fucked up and all his... And, uh, well, considering everything they've gone through through the whole entire night, I'm like, yeah, I won't be trusting that motherfucker. <laughs> well, he's, he's got the white eyes. He's got a fucking chunk of his head missing. But he's alive. And like, motherfucker, I I just shot you. <laughs> I know you're fucking dead. <laughs> you can't trick me, motherfucker. I pulled the trigger. I know you are dead. So, uh, they try to, uh, well, they begin to go inside, and, uh, ah, God, I wish I knew his fucking name. I think they only said it once, so it's, it's kind of hard for me. You know, it's, it's me with these fucking names. You know, Nudie pointed it out. I, uh, unless I, I have the notes there. Luke. Wasn't Luke? Oh, and there. <laughs> I got Adolf Hitler has a credit on this fucking movie just for his voice archive. <laughs> like, my gosh, how much of a IMD page does this guy have? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. He's got, like, Ten, uh, he's got a thousand and ninety-three credits for archive footage and three credits for thanks. Yeah, that's that's all like documentaries and fucking all that shit. Yeah. Well, Victor, he's in the barn, and the figure rips off like this fucking outer mask that he's wearing, and he's he's got this really weird-looking head now. And, well, he ends up telling the dog that he brings back to life to, you know, fetch the bones off of him. Well, the uh, the figure, he goes back downstairs to his little workshop, and he grabs, like, this little pick-looking thing. And he starts fucking hammering this pick right into his fucking forehead. Oh, yeah, there's talk about how he's trying to get a third eye... Yeah, like, uh, apparently that it's, you know, that's what makes you immortal or something. I don't know. It, the lore in this movie really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But you just, you, you kind of have to go th- go through with it to, you know, just be like, okay. You know, it's one of those shut your brain off types. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, as he does this, you know, he's got some really nasty 
nasty, like, orange fucking goo dripping out all over its face, and it's just, ugh, it's nasty. I they. <laughs> so now he's got a giant fucking hole in his head. Uh, everybody makes their way back inside, and, uh, Evan, he comes up with the plan that if, you know, the, uh, something like, uh, the figure can't ingest or eat anything like uh, the bones of his ancestors. So Evan, you know, he figures, all right, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna do this ritual. You're gonna go in the back. Or you're gonna put me in the container. You're gonna cut me open. You're gonna stick the uh, <laughs> the fucking bone marrow in the cut, and he's gonna fucking drink my blood. And that's. I can't imagine doing that. Like, that that just, that seems so, as a paramedic, I mean, you know, you, you know the, the whole blood, can't mix blood types, and, you know, that, that sort of thing. That's what it brings to my mind. Yeah, I guess whatever works. <laughs> you would think he would be, you know, kind of objective to that. But, yeah, it was, it was his idea. I don't know. I really don't understand it. Well, the figure now has a third eye, and he's about to kill Victor, but Evan ends up screaming for him, and the figure goes to the shipping container. And well, not just be- uh, screaming, but yeah, she rings that bell, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, the dinner bell. And the uh, figure begins to, you know, eat and drink the blood, Evan's face is just like, oh my god, this is really happening. This feels so weird. Oh my god, what is he doing? What, what was I thinking? <laughs> it's just all of these different emotions going through his mind. and It's just really weird. Well, <laughs> Victor ends up, you know, making his way over towards the shipping container. And he grabs some barbed wire. And he starts, you know, ripping at it, trying to get a, a single piece. Well, the figure, he finally, you know, backs off a little bit, and he's just like, oh my god, you poisoned me! How how could you do this? (laughs) And uh, it's really not Fassbender's voice, it seems like. Or if it is, it's just really fucking distorted. uh, It's really, really a good job with the voice work for him. Um... Yeah, basically, uh, he's poisoned and he's, you know, he's he's really weakened right now. And he's not, like, he doesn't have his full power. So Victor comes up behind him and he fucking wraps the barbed wire around his throat, around the figure's throat, and he begins sawing. And another, you know, pretty good effect here. We see his neck start to get just fucking yeah. cut up. And yeah, it, makes, it looks makes, disturbing. Yeah, it's starting to make me think of that shit getting her neck uh, cut in the prowler. It, uh, it also reminds me of a kill in Supernatural. They, uh, Sam ends up taking barbed wire and ends up cutting someone's head off <laughs> with it. It's It's... Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, Evan's, you know, about to be stabbed by the figure, but, uh, you know, he ends up grabbing or getting a hold of the knife, and he ends up stabbing 
the third eye with this, you know, this knife thing that they have. It's like a bone shiv, actually, I should say. It's got, you know, all these markings on it and everything. And uh, the figure just kind of, you know, ends up dying. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking... The, the third eyeball's dripping all this fucking nasty ooze and shit. And it's, it's, it's nasty. No, it's it's not, a, not a clean job. No, of course. <laughs> when they bring its head nearly clear off, like, it was more of that terrible CGI. Oh, my God. It definitely could have been better. That's for sure. But uh, as the figure is killed off, yeah, every every you know thing that he brought back to life is now dead. The horse dies. We're gonna call him Luke. Luke dies again. Uh, the dog dies. Everything. And Evan, he runs back to the house. He's looking for Elise, and he ends up finding the old woman, who's now just fucking. It's just like almost a mummy in kind of a way. <laughs> yeah. And then okay. uh, he ends Durbin. up he ends up finding her next to the rune and she is a very, very old woman now. Because you know, she's been, you know, seventeen for all these years because, you know, this takes place at, in two thousand nine. And uh, you know, they were stuck in time for fucking what, 70 years? Yeah, no, like 1940, so, yeah, 70 sounds about right. So, she, like, instantly ages up, and, you know, because of this, she she is going to die. There's there's no doubt about it. Her body just, just fucking got real old real quick, and yeah, that's it. She ends up dying, and Evan ends up, you know, taking uh, these this map of where all the, the the relics are. And he ends up finding a list of all the people. Well, at least before she died, ended up saying that there are eight more of these officers who were sent to this region. And he was only the beginning. They leave, they burn everything down. And, uh, you know, probably a couple days later or so, Victor, they're having a party for him because he's he's finally home, he's finally back. And uh, Evan, he ends up, you know, carving one of the, you know, the, the runes in his chest, you know, the protection runes. And he ends up, you know, finding out that uh, the marking for all the runes is a fucking swastika in, uh, you know, the locations of where they all are. Of course it would be. <laughs> and even on the rune itself, it's like, uh, there's, there's a there's a swastika there, too. Trying to think of a little history lesson here, like, I'm always thinking, like, her somewhere the swastika belonged to somebody else, like, a hell of a lot more innocent before the Nazis took it for themselves and practically ruined it. I yeah I I know that too and I I've heard that story. I don't I don't remember what it is. Maybe you could look it up when we're on break, but I, I it sounds familiar. Yeah, this is where having Sean would be very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Evan he ends up uh, setting out on the road, 
and he's got the list of names of all the families that have the runes. He's got the map showing where they all are, and we roll credits. So, Jake, on my half-ass rundown, which I tried to do a good job of. Uh, yeah, that was actually what, pretty. That was a pretty good one for uh, pretty on impromptu. <laughs> I'm king of the impromptu. So, uh, what do you what do you think? So, uh, I first heard of this um, uh, from all my heroes wear masks. Well, I think I probably saw the covers before, like probably browsing through horror movies on Netflix before. But I first fully heard about was through All My Heroes Wear Mask, and I listened to the rundown of it. And, uh, of course, even though I'm not quite so sure they were really that high on it, like, it's been a long time since I listened to that episode, and I'm almost thinking I found that episode again, but I think the ratings range from anywhere from lows to mediums. But uh, even with that, I decided to still check it out and, you know, honestly didn't have too much of an impact on me then. And watching it again for the first time in, I don't know, maybe 10 years later, almost 10 years later, really didn't have too much of an impact on me. Now, I mean, it's cool kind of seeing all these guys before they made it all big, Cavill, Fassbender, like, I think... uh. You know, this was like probably a year before X Men First Class, which would have been Fast Bender's breakout role. And I almost want to say I think Cavill was almost starting to break out just a little bit before Man of Steel. But yeah, either way, see how these guys started out right before their big roles in Hollywood. But even so, I mean, I don't know. I just movies that the most terrible movie out there but it's just there i just couldn't get into it too much especially with such terrible cg in some of these scenes like the horse sequence i mean god that was fucking terrible it does have some cool things like the whole like how he can just bring anything back from the dead make it all evil easy control but uh, a second time viewing the movie for me and uh, I can't see myself revisiting too much so I'm gonna go with a just okay for this one yeah it's, I really didn't pick this movie because I, I know a lot of people liked it I picked it because it was more like of a, a controversial one I knew you know it was really not high on everybody's lists so you know it, it intrigued me I, I I know that there were some bad, bad CGI moments. You know, it, it's been a long time since I've seen it, and I completely forgot that fucking Henry was Evan in the movie. Like, I, I didn't... <laughs> it's been that long. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely not one you have to go back to all the time. You know, it's, it's, the story's not really there. You know, I mean, some of the effects are really bad, but I mean, it, it's got a, a, you know, a good few moments of like really, you know, good gore and stuff. I don't know. I, I think I'm probably just going to go just okay. I'm in, I'm in the middle about this one as well. Like, it's not 
something you have to watch, but if you wanted to, you could. I, I guess you have to be, like, in the right mind frame to watch it. Yeah, probably. And, yeah, I found something that, uh, so honestly, got started out in the Hinduism. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I guess not a lot of Hindus are going to like this movie. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's about it for me. I don't really have too much more to say. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. Honestly, it's like I said, man. This movie is just there for me. It's a Lionsgate movie. <laughs> that's <laughs> all you need to know. Yeah. They uh they don't produce the best movies. Yeah, they. I, I remember they started out strong when they started to, and then just kind of fell apart there towards the end. It is what it is. So we're uh, we're gonna take a break and we'll talk about what we're doing next time.
yep, we got the next show planned, and, well, let's just say, I've compiled a list of movie ideas for a while. Let's just say, we are not going to have a shortage of ideas for quite some time. Yeah, we, uh, I can't believe we've almost went through the entire freaking first list that we had. That was, I know. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so, I I got a little over-ambitious recently, and I looked through my movie drives, and, uh, yeah, like I said, no shortage of ideas for quite a while, and, uh, well, we'll probably keep adding to it as we keep thinking of ideas. It'll just be a matter of what do we feel like doing for this particular episode. Uh, or well, just do we feel like watching a movie for the first time? That, too. Yeah. We try to give a good mix of genres and give a good mix of, gosh, I have not seen this movie before. So first time watch or first time watch in many, many years. And uh, that may lead to some good ones. That may lead to bad ones. But that's uh, always the beauty of it. I think we've done pretty good. We did uh, Adam Sandler movies, and then this week we're doing horror, and next week we're going to go back to comedy. Yes. So, yeah, should get into what the plan is next time. Well, it's just some good old 80s comedies. I will be running down the classic, or is it a classic? I don't know. It's my first time viewing of Police Academy. And I've only seen it once, so it's going to be nice to revisit it. And I am going to be doing <laughs> the Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, John Candy, Stripes. Yeah. Oh, Sean's going to be bummed he missed out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's not going to be too happy. <laughs> uh, and let's just say, I mean, not sure when Sean's going to return, but a few of these ideas I have set up, I'm like... Yeah, I definitely want to save these for when he gets back. Yeah, there's definitely a few that uh, call for his expertise? Question mark? (laughs) What what do do we call it? (laughs) I I guess so. (laughs) uh, Whatever he wants to call it, yeah. We need him for specific ones. Especially trilogies, we gotta have them back by episode 200, because we've known what episode 200 is gonna be since fucking episode 50. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, when I talked about these movies, send thoughts to unholymofos at gmail.com, or I'm at jakesthesnake54 on Twitter. I'm at brother underscore scott1. Yeah, guess I got nothing else to say, so... Until Police Academy and Stripes, be careful. There's a prowler on the loose. Peace out. Later, fuckers.
Screamed, they'll never ever take us alive. 